at the end of college, some of my friends from home started up a a theatre group. So I found an amazing singing teacher, but she trained me to sing proper Italian opera. And actually within four years, I was singing the lead of Carmen. So I thought, well, I could do that. I could, you know, I could build a, a baking business. Now, at this point, I'd never made a wedding cake, but my thought was, I'd love to learn how to do that. And I would love to create a business with that. At this stage, you're, you've got your singing going on, so that should be fulfilling you. And obviously, then you've got the regular income coming in, mm-hmm. but something's still missing, isn't it? Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us again for another episode of the Power of Storytelling. And my guest today is a very special lady because we're talking about making a change, but embracing your passion. And when you embrace your passion, incredible things happen. They just start unfolding and you can't really explain how that happens, but it does. Take it from me. There's so many people where this has happened. If you've thought about, oh, you know what? I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z, and you have maybe considered it, but haven't taken all of the steps in the right direction. Hopefully, today's guest is going to inspire you to take that action to go to the next level and to start doing the things that really light you up. So, without further ado, I have the wonderful Annie Bennett with me from Leading Lady Cakes. Hello, Annie. It's brilliant to have you with us. Hello, Nicola, my lovely. How are you today? I'm really good. I'm really good. And what you will have heard as well, even as she just speaks, even as she comes on, it's like she's singing to you. And there is a reason for that as well. We will come to that shortly. But Annie, your <laughs> story, you actually started out as a teacher and a head teacher, didn't you? Before you even ventured into the world of baking cakes. Absolutely. I I started teaching in 1989, straight from school. I, you know, straight into teacher training college, straight into teaching, primary teaching, this was. And I did that for quite a few years. And but all the way along, um, there was always this feeling that I'm not going to be always be doing this. I'm not always going to be doing this. Because I'd always had a a love for performing. I dare say we'll talk about that a bit in a minute. (laughs) But you know, my, my thought was always, I'm not going to be doing this forever. And it, it ended up, I, I did it for 30 years, over actually in the end. And then when it actually came to taking a break from it, my career had, had been so well established, it, it seemed almost impossible to make that break. 
it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you went into it with that, oh, I'll just do this for a few years. Hold my hands up. I remember walking into a job and thinking, yes, this is amazing. Just for a couple of years. And then you turn mm-hmm. around and maybe not 30 years later, but definitely four <laughs> or five years later, you turn around and you go, hang on a second. Where did those last like three, four years just disappear to? It's very easy to do that, isn't it? To just carry on with the status quo and and what you're doing because, you know, you've got a regular income coming in and everything else. And it just makes it easy, I guess. It does. It does. And with the added extra, of course, of, you know, getting married, getting a mortgage, having children. So breaking out from a, a career, a job with a, a a steady salary, that was the bit that was, oh, I can't leave now because, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. And, you know, the whole the whole idea that, you know, in teaching, it's all consuming. I think a lot of people listening to this understand this, that teaching is all consuming. You don't have a lot of time to do much else. You don't have a lot of time to plot your escape, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, once you're in teaching, it is very difficult to make that move because, you know, because you're. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think so many people will hear that. But but I know that there are a lot of teachers at the moment who will identify with everything that you're saying. There will be a lot of people that have found themselves in a career. They're going along. They're quite happy to a certain extent, but there's something there's something inside that's saying, hmm, what Mm. if there's something else? What if there's something more for me? Now, there were were a couple of things that were a bit more for you. So alongside the teaching, you could say that you found a passion anyway. Um, Let's talk about that because you're actually a trained soprano as well. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes, I'd always uh, loved performing. My parents probably say at home as well as on the stage. Uh, <laughs> but I've always I'd always had a love for, you know, being on the stage and singing. I'd done musicals during college. Um, and then at the end of college, some of my friends from home started up a, a theatre group. And a couple of people in there said, you should get your voice trained because it's a good voice and you don't want to you know, to ruin it, you don't want to strain it, you know, whatever. So I found uh, an amazing singing teacher, and this was, say, back in 89, 90, who heard an operatic voice when I was singing. So she trained me, some would say with a chair and a whip, but she trained me to sing proper Italian opera. And actually, within four years, I was singing the lead of Carmen in a local production of Carmen. So I sort of, I did a bit of a Citizen Kane almost. I sort of did my career backwards. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me because I've heard you sing. You've done it a couple of times for me. And I, like, I don't say, Annie, please sing. But she goes out there and she just does it off. Like, you know, because she's doing something to help me or whatever else it is. Mm-hmm. And it is the most 
beautiful voice. So we'll take that. So you're probably at this stage, you're, you've got your singing going on. So that should be fulfilling you. And obviously then you've got the regular income coming in, mm-hmm. but something's still missing, isn't it? It is. I mean, the, the singing really was, uh, and I know I said earlier, there's no time for anything else, but in a way you have to make time for something. You have to do something that's not school education related, you know, in a week, even if it's only for half an hour or an hour, because otherwise you would go bonkers. You really would. So my thing was singing. And at one point, my singing teacher and I were looking towards me going professional with it. Um, and I did get a couple of paid gigs. I did get an equity card at one point, but it wasn't enough to make the break from uh, teaching because, say, by that point I had the mortgage. And it, also to say that actually my confidence levels when I was that age, were I wasn't as resilient as I am now. To, to be in, a, in the performance industry, you have to you have to be told no a lot of times and stay standing. And I don't think at that point I could have coped with that. I, I, I'm a very different person now, Nicola. I, I sort of grown up rather a lot. <laughs> um, I think running your own business does that for you anyway, overnight. <laughs> like whether you realise it or not, you have to take the knocks that come your way. It's It's not all sunshine and flowers. You know, there are peaks and troughs as you go through. What was it like for you? Because obviously there was another passion in the background. Tell us about how you actually got to start thinking about actually maybe if the singing isn't going to quite tick all the boxes for me to be able to replace my salary, could I do it with the other passion? Yes. Well, th- this all happened around 2012. I was a head teacher at that point. And it was at this point when cracks began to really appear in the career and in my health, my domestic circumstances, everything was changing. And there was an, an awful lot of stress going on. And at the end of 2012, or towards the end of 2012, I caught flu. Now, this was obviously before COVID and all that, but I got, got proper temperature for a week flu, which meant that I was off school. Now, for a, for a teacher to be off work for any amount of time, let alone a head teacher, it's it's impossible. You know, things become really impossible. So as a head teacher who had been off for a week, tried to go back, it, it all went a little bit um, pear-shaped, let's say. And for the next year, I was in and out of school and things were really breaking. So by the end of 2013, I decided, no, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And I was able to take a break, a complete break from it. And it was during that time that I thought, right, well, what can I do now? I was in that position where I could, right, I can do whatever I want. What shall I do? Um, and at that point, the singing was, I didn't want that to be, uh, I didn't want my finances to rely on that because I loved it so much in fact it was singing that got me through that really tricky uh, point because I was singing a role at the time and if I hadn't I'd have probably gone completely under so I thought I I want the singing to stay as as you know unpaid and for the joy of it but what else can I do what do I love to do now I've got a few things that I could have done I've got a few skills that you know my mother and my grandmother taught me when I was younger all those kind of things 
But one thing I thought I kept coming back to was baking. I love baking. I love, you know, creating things to for people to eat because I'm quite a maternal person. I feed people. I'm a feeder. <laughs> so, you know, whenever I go, when I go to my rehearsals for what I'm rehearsing now, I take cake because I, you know, I love, I like to feed people. So I thought, well, I could do that. I could, you know, I could build a, a baking business. Now, at this point, I'd never made a wedding cake. I'd never made any sugar flowers. I'd not done any of it. But my thought was, I'd love to learn how to do that. And I would love to create a business with that. So I started off in 2014, having not the foggiest clue what I was doing business-wise. Not not a clue. <laughs> because, you know, I'd been a teacher for so long. We, You know, we know about planning and a bit, you know, that kind of stuff. But we know nothing about... Um, you know, social media strategy, ideal clients, all those kind of things. So I went into it and I looked back at some of the things I was doing then and it makes me cringe a little bit, you know. <laughs> but of course, it's all it's all part of the learning. You know, every step of the way, I, I learned, I soaked up, um, you know, all the learning from it. And as you said, it became more resilient. And over the next... From 2014, over the next few years, I stayed a little bit in supply teaching. I even took on a class teaching job again and let the cakes go a little bit to the side to see, you know, where things were. But actually, it turned out, no, I didn't want to be teaching at all. That that was finished for me now. What I wanted to do was to build my business and work for myself. So that was that was the plan that w- was what i worked towards and then of course come lockdown everything changed again well yeah i think every everything changed for everyone during lockdown mm. there was a, there's not one person that doesn't have a story mm. about how they had to pivot or how they had to yeah. work in a different way or whatever else it is what i love though is that you were able to have that space to actually think, Mm. right, what is it that I really want to do? Because I think so often we go through life and we just carry on, carry on, carry on. Mm. And if you're not careful, you never take that chance to get off of that hamster wheel to say, Mm. is this what I want? Is this what I want my life to look like? And how am I going to get to where it is that I want to be? Now, you've Mm. proved to be hugely successful. And when we first met, you joined PR Mastery, the course. You came on board, which Mm -hmm. is my signature course. And Mm -hmm. you came on board. And as part of that, I sat down with you and I helped you shape your story and in terms of positioning and everything else. What were the light bulb moments for you? Because I know there were many as you were going through the Mm. course. But when I was like, when you received that write up back and your story in front of you, what did you actually look at and see? Oh, my goodness me. I I suppose I started off as many people do. I'm sure you, you, you experience this, Nicola, that most people say, oh, I haven't got a story. I don't know what my story is. I mean, I knew that, you know, my teaching, stopping teaching was possibly something, but I I, I didn't really know. But it, it was the 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 singing really, um, the fact that 
you know, you highlighted the fact that I'm a singer and that's quite unusual. There aren't many wedding cake bakers who actually sing as well. <laughs> I suppose it's because I'd, I'd done it for so long, it just seemed ordinary for me in a, in a funny kind of way. Although I know it's not ordinary, if you know what I mean. But because it was just something that's there, I, it never occurred to me that it was anything unusual or anything that needed to be highlighted. So, yeah, it, it was that really. It was the hang on, there's something here we can work with. <laughs> and I think for me, the moment where the penny really dropped, because I, I told you this and you were like, okay, yes. Nicola, yeah, that's fine. But the moment <laughs> when the penny dropped is when we went along to an event, I took you along to an event and you were able to meet with journalists and mm-hmm. the journalist in particular was from a really like top rate TV show sat down and I said, this is brilliant. What about this, 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 and this? As I obviously get very excited about any of my clients. I'm kind of like, you know, just want to wrap you all up and make sure that you do like amazing things out in the world. And um, they then also got really enthused about it, loved it. And you were like watching us both like, oh my gosh, hang on a second. What happened in that moment when you watched both of us go, this it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was one of those rabbit in a headlights kind of, oh my God, there is something in this, you know, that there is something I can do with it. Not, you know, I'm very guilty of not actually having done much with it since, but it is still in the pipeline. But yeah, there was that real, oh, that there could be something really amazing that could happen here, you know. And, and I remember him saying, you do, you sort something and come back to me. So it's not, you know, I want you now. It's you sort something and then come back to me and we'll do, we'll use that. So that's the sort of the thing that's constantly running through my mind. I've got, I've got to, you know, get something sorted. <laughs> you do. You do. And I'm going to keep on to your case until you actually do it, because mm. I think having that and one of our uh, fellow entrepreneurs came up with a brilliant pun. It's not me. I'm not going to take credit credit for this at all but the fabulous Matt Boyles actually came up with icing on the cake as in icing which is just so brilliant and it sums it up because it really does give you that differentiator from anyone Mm. else so lots of people bake cakes they run their own baking business but there aren't many who could actually deliver a cake and sing soprano at the same time. And I think that is like what you should be focusing on in terms of an additional kind of service and say like, that's an offering that I can absolutely do for you because I think it will go down so well. Having worked in the wedding industry, what Mm. even just discussing your story and where you went and following that passion I've just realized as we've been talking how similar our stories actually are. So I was working in PR. I was going along. It was very good. Mm -hmm. Everything was fine. Everything was good. Not feeling fulfilled. Okay. I know really passionate about photography. I'll set up the photography business, become a professional photographer as a side, a sideline. My work was fine with that. They were really happy and everything else. They even paid for me to go on all of the courses to train because it would enhance what I did as a day job. Mm -hmm. And 
but there was still something not quite right. Something hadn't quite clicked. And it was only when I eventually, I did, I actually went and did the photography as a business and, you know, quit PR and went into the photography and then realized that very quickly it didn't actually fit alongside having a young child. It didn't actually Mm. sit there and tick all the boxes. And also I wasn't really being able to help the people I wanted to help. Mm. And so for me, it was about then full circle. Actually, if I can make PR work in a way that's going to help other people, hang on a second, storytelling, Mm. what's your passion? Storytelling for me has always been the thing. Then if I can make it work in a way that actually not everyone looks at PR like this. Not everyone looks at Mm. PR in terms of how it can help others. They're very much focused on, you know, ta-da, look at me, jazz hands. That was that was the changing point for me. So it's really interesting Mm. for me that we were having this conversation because it's a very similar trajectory. You know, we've followed our passions to be able to Mm. be able to help others. And you don't only just well, I say only, I mean, they're absolutely exquisite, the cakes that you bake. You don't only create these beautiful wedding cakes, you also passing on your knowledge as well to other home bakers, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. And th- this is what happened in 2020. You know, had it not been for lockdown, I would probably still just be, I say just, just be making wedding cakes. But of course, lockdown came along all weddings were cancelled it was it was utter chaos the wedding industry you know from looking at it from the inside as I was there was an awful lot of stress and angst and all sorts but there were there were some businesses wedding wedding directories who actually put on some help for people in the wedding industry and it was from that uh, along a, a various few steps that I came across Lisa Johnson, who talked about, you know, pivoting, making passive income, um, using your skills. And I thought, oh, yes, this looks good. I can teach people how to open a baking business because that's just what I've done, you know. And so from that, that, that's exactly what I've set up. So I have Annie, the, the Leading Lady Cakes Business School, which teaches bakers how to go from being a hobby baker to being a proper set up legit business but not just a business but a business that makes a profit I'm big on pricing and you know pricing properly so yes and I have a membership I've written books about it I have books for sale on Amazon most of them are quite niche just for bakers but you know that in itself is a recurring income so everything completely changed with lockdown so I'm able to do the two things now so in June I was doing a wedding cake a week because that was my bookings but this week I'm doing a lot of business-based things talking to you for example and so I go from one thing to another which I absolutely love you know if I was just doing one thing all the time my brain would would become stale but because I'm jumping from one thing to another I absolutely love it and it's so good to have different uh, revenue streams as well, having different ways so that, 
you know, I think a lot of people found like previously, they might have only ever had one revenue stream coming in. And when that gets taken away from you for something, you know, unforeseen, such as the pandemic, it's like, hang on a second, I wish I had more, Mm. or I wish I had something else. How have you gone about, I mean, we've talked a little bit about you did the course and everything else, but how Mm. have you differentiated yourself from other bakers using the media? Well, I, after doing your course last year, it was last year, wasn't it? It does seem years ago, just because I've been working with you for ages, Uh, but it was just the beginning of last year. And I've been able to position myself as, so because I was a teacher, I know a lot about, you know, how the brain works, how how you react in certain situations. So one of the things that I was able to do was from an introduction that you made, I wrote an article in for the Metro about how I don't believe talent is a real thing. It's to do with having a passion. It's to do with determination. And I think that is possibly where I differ slightly from some other bakers because I have the teaching side and I'm really passionate about if you want to do it, just be determined and you'll get there. I think I'm perhaps one of the only the people that have that kind of attitude and that kind of grit, if you like. <laughs> and it wasn't just the Metro, was it? Because you, then you were featured elsewhere. And, there, and something to mention here as well is that the media very much feed off the media. So if you are positioning yourself how you want to be in the marketplace, no matter what industry you're actually in, the media do pick up on certain articles that they will find interesting and then you will be featured elsewhere. And what you're doing at that point when you are being featured elsewhere is it's increasing your shareability, your reach, your credibility. It's really positioning you as the go-to expert in your industry. Absolutely. And, And one really important I'm just not, it's not, it's an offshoot, although it's not really, is when, you know, you are featured. I was, I had a hello online feature about tips for wedding cakes, you know, about, you know, trends and that kind of thing. But it gave me a a website link. Now for, for a business, a fairly small business like mine, a backlink to somewhere like hello online is absolute gold. And I'm finding now that people are phoning me up saying, oh, I did a Google search and, and you, you know, you were one of the first on the list. And it's because I've got backlinks in Hello Online, The Sun, The Metro, and, you know, Woman Magazine. <laughs> I was in there too. And it's those things that they don't directly necessarily give you sales, but they give you that visibility through those backlinks, you know, people will find you on Google because of those things. And that is absolute gold. Because what you have to remember is when, and this is a really great exercise. I've just done it. Last week, I did my free three-day challenge. And what we actually Mm. did was one of the days, one of the tasks was go away and Google your name, Mm. what comes up. And the reason for doing that, number one, journalists, if you uh, apply for to talk to them as an expert or just approach them out of the blue, they will Google you, see what comes up. But also your ideal clients, if they've heard about you or they want to work with you in 
whatever capacity, they will also do the same. So it's a really great exercise to do because then you're actually seeing what they are seeing. And the fact that they come across your name and it's hello, the sun, um, metro, that is instantaneously mm. going to position you head and shoulders above anyone else. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you've got two, say there are two uh, bakers in your area, Annie, and one is your good self and another doesn't have any media presence. Who do you think people are going to go to? Because once you're actually featured in the media in this way, what it does is it increases trust. It increases really? that, oh, well, this, this person is the expert to go to. Mm. So would you say as a direct result of doing PR, being more visible, that more people have found you in your business as a result? Oh, I- a hundred million percent. Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, as a business owner, it's fairly standard when someone contacts you to say, you know, how did you find out about me? And more often than not, it's Google search. I found you in a Google search because my, you know, my business is is a local business uh, because it's product based, you know, wedding cakes. I mean, I do travel 50, 60 miles, sometimes even more, but generally it's, you know, someone in Sussex will Google wedding cakes near me Um, And if they do that, my name's almost, well, is at the top of the list now because of all the other um, things that I've been doing. And and sometimes I I don't concentrate on my competition very much, uh, but occasionally I'll have a look at some of the other results that come up and none of them have got, you know, national media coverage at all. It's understanding (laughs) how to do this, because I'm sure like right at the very beginning when you were, like, right, okay, so I'm going to go into baking, I'm coming out of teaching, I'm going into baking. You wouldn't have had an idea how to to do this and how to land such high-profile targets as well. Absolutely. Not a clue. Not an absolute clue. In fact, for, for the first, I mean, you know this, you know my story, but for the first year, 18 months, um, I almost discounted PR. I thought, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need, I don't, not that I don't need it. I, I, you know, it's not priority list. I've got to get my business, you know, established first and then I can get the PR. And it wasn't until sort of the end of 2021 um, when I'd made lots of business connections by then, which by the way is a, an invaluable thing to do. And I'd seen lots of, you know, colleagues in positions similar to mine, not bakers, all of them, but positions similar to mine in moderately new businesses, you know, getting coverage in all these magazines. I thought, hang on a minute, there's something in this, isn't there? <laughs> you know, and because I knew of you, I thought, right, I know exactly the person that I'm going to go to because it was you that was getting all these people the the wonderful coverage. And it, it you know, it, it became a no-brainer that actually, yes, I do need to do this. I do need to be visible because, you know, the, the saying goes, if people can't see you, they're not going to buy from you, you know. You've got to be seen, haven't you? <laughs> it's the end of the day. <laughs> you absolutely have. Yeah, you absolutely have. Otherwise, you stay a best kept secret. So, Annie, mm-hmm. if someone wants to connect with you, how can they find you? Oh, my goodness me. If you Google Annie Bennett, you'll first of all get Little Orphan Annie. So, ignore that one. <laughs> Her name was 
Tanya Bennett. Who knew? But you will find me. But otherwise, look for Leading Lady Cakes on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, leadingladycakes.co.uk is my website. Go into there and you'll find me. I'll be there smiling away. You might even see me singing in various places as well. <laughs> and today's episode on the power of storytelling has been about following your passion. So if you have something that you feel passionate about, follow it. Don't let that niggling feeling in the back of your mind just keep eating away at you for years and years and years because there's a reason why you should be doing something else. Now, that's not to say you have to then suddenly quit your job and then, you know, hand your notice in and then walk away. Look at the options that are available. Look at what it is that you could do. And it may well be like Annie, like myself, you want to set it up as a sideline to begin with and then you go full pelt. Thank you so much for listening to The Power of Storytelling today. It's been amazing to have you with us. And don't forget to rate, review the podcast. It helps with the ripple effect. And the more people that know how valuable the content is that we put out on the podcast, the more people we can go on and help. <laughs>